Well, good morning and happy Monday, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Roadmap to Heaven right here on Covenant Network. It's good to be with you this morning. Uh, It's raining where I am, but spirits are still high. I hope that wherever you are as you listen, maybe the, the weather is nicer. But that's all right. Like I said, spirits are still high. Let's pray this morning. We continue to pray for Ukraine and for the situation there and for an end to the violence, for the protection of the innocent, um, and for justice to prevail. We pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and particularly for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. Let's pray the Memorari together. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I hope it is a, a great day for you. I hope you had a great weekend. Uh, we had a very nice surprise yesterday. We slept in, and we normally go to 8 o'clock mass, but we slept in, and we said you know, we could rush, or we could just go to 1030. Let's just go to 1030, right? And as we're pulling up, you could tell something was different, and it turns out the archbishop had mass at the old cathedral yesterday at 1030, which was uh, a pleasant surprise and wonderful homily about uh, why we shouldn't bargain with God. You know, he, he really broke up in that gospel reading yesterday, the temptations of Christ, and the devil's trying to bargain with God. Say, well, if you do this, then I'll do this for you. And how often do we do that with God that we try to bargain? Say, Lord, if you do this, then I'll do this. And, you know, not the same, not, not to try and equate that with what the devil was doing, two different things, but uh, the archbishop really did a great job of pointing out how often do we allow ourselves to become resentful or upset or mad or angry because God didn't come through for us when we wanted him to because he didn't follow our bargain that we proposed. Lord, I'll only you know believe in you if you do this for me. I'll only love you if you do this for me. I'll only follow you if you do this for me. And he, uh, he talked about the dangers of it. And as Beth and I were walking out of Mass, um, we were both reflecting on how wonderful it was. And, you know, we've got a lot to talk about on the show today. We're going to be hearing from... Uh, Monsignor Morris a little bit later, a homily from the first Sunday in Lent. But we also are going to be talking to Sister Mary Carolyn Nunes from the Franciscan Sisters of the Martyr St. George about the journey that the catechumens are making in the RCIA and what we can learn from them and from that process, how it can help us this Lent. And then later on, Dr. Marcellino D'Ambrosio, Dr. Italy, will be on to talk about why be Catholic. And he's actually going to be in St. Louis this week for those of you listening in the St. Louis metro area. Uh, speaking at Holy Infant, so you might want to stay tuned and either get a little preview or perhaps be inspired to head out to that. Now, before we go to the weather here, though, I just want to share this with you. I've been reading this book, The Tears of Christ, Meditations for Lent. It's all from sermons and writings of St. John Henry Newman. And my reading on Saturday, something particularly stuck out to me. 
And he says, in another place, our Lord speaks more expressly. If any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. To come to Christ is to come after him. To take up our cross is to take upon his yoke. And though he calls this an easy yoke, yet it is easy because it is his yoke and he makes it easy. Still, it does not cease to be a yoke. And it is troublesome and distressing because it is a yoke. All of us must come to Christ in some sense or other through things naturally unpleasant to us. It may even be through bodily suffering, such as the apostles endured, or it may be nothing more than the subduing of our natural infirmities and the sacrifice of our natural wishes. You know, we keep painting this rosy picture of Lent and how wonderful Lent is. And I have to tell you, you know, Friday, what's the old joke that you don't want a Chick-fil-A sandwich any more than on Sunday when they're closed, right? On Friday, there were so many things I wanted to eat that I couldn't. And it was just such a simple thing. And yet even in that, it was difficult. Well, you know what, friends, that's preparing me for other things in life that are difficult. Beth and I were remarking over the weekend. We had we had a great weekend together, um, but we were reflecting on the state of our marriage, and we both just looked at each other at one point. Had this really great moment where we said, "You know, this at times, this is just really hard." And you know, not that we would have it any other way. And we reaffirmed our love for one another. You know, talking about how we're so glad that we're with one another. But it is hard, and so when I read that, still, it does not cease to be a yoke, and it is troublesome and distressing because it is a yoke. So Christ makes our yoke, you know, my burden is easy and my yoke is light. Um, It's still a yoke, St. John Henry Newman said. And you know what? Praise God for the yoke. And, And I think the joy of knowing that there's a good thing that comes if we carry the yoke, if we carry the burden and we walk the way of the cross with our Lord brings us joy and hope. Let's go get a check of the weather with Mike Roberts, and then when we come back, we'll be talking with Sister Mary Carolyn. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. We'll be back after this. Today is the feast day of Saints Felicity and Perpetua. Born in Carthage in the second century, we know much of their story from the journal kept by Perpetua. She came from a family of nobles, and in 203 became a Christian as her mother had been, and soon her brother did the same thing. Her father, who did not know about her conversion until after the fact, was angered and terrified because he understood that during this time of great persecution, it was a fatal decision. Perpetua was a young mother and still nursing her baby. She was arrested along with four other catechumens, including Felicity, who was eight months pregnant, and they were placed in an extremely crowded, dark, and hot prison. Two deacons who visited and administered to the prisoners paid off the guards and the catechumens were moved to a somewhat more comfortable part of the prison. In a dream, Perpetua saw that they would not be released but murdered. But she also was shown heaven, a message she relayed to her brother. Felicity gave birth to her baby in prison. Perpetua, Felicity, and the other catechumens were condemned and thrown to wild beasts in an arena in front of a cheering crowd. When they survived that, They were murdered by gladiators. Their faith and courage actually led the warden and some of the guards to become Christians themselves. Saints Felicity and Perpetua, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. We are back. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. And you may have noticed this past weekend at your parish that there was a group of people called the Catechumenate and that they are participating in something called the right of election. In fact, they would have done that yesterday. Well, what is that? And what does that mean for the rest of us 
Here to help us, Sister Mary Carolyn Nunes from the Franciscan Sisters of the Martyr St. George. Sister, good to be with you today. Great to be back, Adam. I love talking about the catechumenate. I spent some years working in a parish as a director of religious education, and working with the catechumens and the candidates who are preparing to enter into the church at Easter was one of my favorite uh, favorite things to do in my, yeah. my job. You know, and, and, and for many of us, we know what's going on, and for— Myself at a certain point in life, I was like, wait a minute, hold on. How come the, the missalette says that the readings for today are this, but the readings might be this? And who are these people and why do they keep getting up? This doesn't happen at Mass normally. Um, why don't you give us just a real quick overview of what is going on? Who are the catechumens and, and what is happening in the season of Lent? Sure. So a catechumen is a person who is unbaptized and preparing to enter into the church. A candidate is someone who is baptized, perhaps in another Christian church, and has not yet received the fullness of initiation in the Catholic Church. And so they are journeying alongside the catechumens. And so the RCIA process really begins with what we call uh, the, the pre-catechumenate. And that's kind of the time, or, or even a period of inquiry. So just kind of asking the question, like, what is the Catholic Church all about? What does she teach? And then the pre-catechumenate is kind of going through some preliminary, like, general topics. And then after a time of asking the questions, they're invited to be a part of the catechumenate. Say, yes, we are intentionally journeying towards full communion with the Catholic Church as a catechumen. But the first Sunday of Lent is a very exciting time for a catechumen specifically because they are sent to the cathedral where they are elected, they are chosen by the bishop to continue on and to receive the sacraments of initiation at Easter. So uh, the season of Lent for those preparing for full communion with the church is called the period of purification and enlightenment. Uh, you think about it, that's really for all of us. And, and in fact, the practice of having Lent leading up to Easter was mostly for the catechumens and the candidates. And then for those who had already received the sacraments and had already gone through that process themselves, it was a time to remember what they had gone through and to kind of revisit. And so prayer, fasting, and almsgiving are all part of us entering into that purification and enlightenment that we need to receive in order to fully celebrate Easter. You may be thinking, you know, this is great. Those that are preparing to either be baptized and join the life of the church or who have been baptized and are preparing to be received into the church, I'm very excited for them. I'm very happy for them. But what does this have to do with me? And before we continue that conversation, because I think I want to spend some time on what you just said, that this is something for us all to revisit and maybe walk the same format each and every Lent, um, it's important to note that the parish is very involved in both the sending for the right of election and then in the upcoming Sundays when we have the scrutinies. Now, they may not happen at every parish mass, but it's not just, all right, everybody sit tight and, and we're going to do this over here and then we'll continue on with mass, that the people of the parish have an active role in praying for those who are preparing we could do a whole segment on that, sister, but let's talk oh about, you know, <laughs> time does not permit. Let's talk about us because you mentioned this, and this is what we really want to get to today. Aside from our role liturgically and in and, and praying for those who are in the catechumenate or our candidates, how can we take what they are doing? Because, you know, I, I was baptized as an infant, so if there was a period of formation— I don't remember it. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. how, can I, how can I take this and make this part of my prayer life this season of Lent? Absolutely. So I, I think just the prayers and the rites that are used themselves are 
a source for us to be praying with uh, and to kind of seeing how is the Holy Spirit moving my own heart. I remember uh, one year I was renewing my vows on the fifth Sunday of Lent and the priest who was directing me at the time said, I want you to pray with the, the text of the third scrutiny as you prepare to renew your vows. And it was just this really beautiful encounter with the Lord's mercy in my life. The third scrutiny is Lazarus uh, being called forth from the tomb. And so just kind of entering into that mystery for myself. And so if the catechumens and the candidates are entering into a mystery it's an invitation for us to enter into the mystery as well and to recognize the places in the in our hearts that need to be scrutinized by the light of the Holy Spirit as our brothers and sisters are preparing for themselves to enter into the waters of baptism. To be, okay, what, what still needs to be converted in my own heart? Ultimately, it's a process of conversion. We say like, oh, so-and-so converted to the Catholic Church. It's not about converting to the Catholic Church. It's about ongoing conversion, which we're all called to in the season of Lent for us to be purified and enlightened through the same texts, through the same kind of accompaniment, uh, accompanying them through what they're what they're going through to, to reach the waters of baptism. I'm hearing you say this, and I think, wow, that's amazing, praying, praying with the third scrutiny. Where can we begin with this? I mean, I, I wouldn't even know where to start with, because I, I have not worked with RCIA as a sponsor or as a catechist. I, I'm intrigued. I, I want to I incorporate this into my Lent. Where do I start? So I would say generally the the text of those scrutinies are found in a missalette or in a in a worship aid that is found in a in a pew in a parish um, for those who, that have those returned to the pews um, that would definitely be a place to look and then also if you Google scrutinies RCIA catechumenate you'll be able to find the texts pretty easily as well. I'm doing that right now. I am searching online for RCIA scrutinies and and there they are. So perhaps maybe read through them. And, you know, a common theme every time you and I talk is to, if if something sticks out, sit with it for a while and see what God's saying to you and and what's jumping out of you. Mm -hmm. Not jumping out of you, but jumping out at you. (laughs) Or both. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so the three scrutinies are the first Sunday is the woman at the well. So the third Sunday of Lent, we hear the woman at the well. Yes. Um, I thirst. So that kind of theme of thirst. The second uh, scrutiny is the fourth Sunday of Lent, and it's the man born blind. And so that idea of spiritual blindness and light and darkness. And then the fifth Sunday of Lent is Lazarus and that death to life. And so in all of these things, the moving through the water uh, and and having our, our thirst for Christ quenched, and he is ultimately the one he's asking for a drink, but yet he also is the living water that never runs dry. And then the light and darkness, and then death and life, all themes of Lent, all themes for the catechumenate, all themes for us, if we're going to live the Paschal mystery that we're called to live. That's wonderful. Uh, you know, so many great lessons for us there. And I'm, as you're saying that, you know, I'm trying to do this interview, but I'm getting stuck immediately on the the thirst. You know, you, you say that. I, I have five songs that just jumped into my mind and all of these images and, and this idea of detachment that we talk about so often on the show. I mean, this is really, a, you talk about a rich well, the, the well that will not run dry, and that is our faith. And, and this is a wonderful launching point for us in this season of Lent. So I suppose the moral of the story is find the resources. It's not hard. Again, you can just search online, RCIA Scrutinies. Pray with those particular sets of readings and take some time, as we've talked about before, to sit in quiet maybe and just reflect with those as part of your prayer discipline this season of Lent. Right. So we're praying for our brothers and sisters, but we're also, we don't want to miss the grace that the Lord wants to give us as he continues to purify and enlighten us so that we can enter more fully into the joy of Easter. Yeah, I love it. I mean, even if we're not the main focus of what's going on, it's not like our Lord only gives grace to certain people. He's like, you know, right now we're focused on on, on this group, but everyone, you're here. 
here's grace for you too. You know, he, he does not run out of grace for us. Sister, thank you for taking the time to be with us this morning. Friends, you are listening to Roadmap to Heaven. We'll be back after this break. We are back. You are listening to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network this morning. At the top of the show, I was talking about this reflection from St. John Henry Newman about the yoke being easy and the burden light, and yet it's still a yoke. And sometimes, you know, whether it's major penance or just a minor penance, although, you know, those minor penances, when you carry them with you for a while, they can start to feel like a, uh, a major penance. That's a good thing, by the way. More on that perhaps another time. Um, they're, they're all something we're called to during the season, and they help us. And we can be tempted to ignore them or tempted to give in and just set them aside. And you know what? Even our Lord was tempted to break his fast in the desert. But what does that mean for us? Well, rather than uh, share my my insights with you about it, I wanted to share the insights of Monsignor Morris. And so let's turn now to his words about the first Sunday of Lent. It is time for our catechiz this morning, and our catechiz is related to what we just heard. Fill in the blank. Fill in the blank. If we are sorry for our sins because we love God, this is called blank. If we are sorry for our sins because we love God, this is called blank. The answer is perfect contrition, and it's a a wonderful, wonderful thing. You know, when we go to the Sacrament of Reconciliation, when we go to make a good confession, are we going because uh, we love God so much and we are so sorry that we hurt him and that we offended him because of our sin? Or are we going because we fear the punishment that might be the result of our sin, especially if it's a state of mortal sin, we fear the punishment of hell. And so uh, that would be called imperfect contrition if we go out of fear of punishment. Now, that's still a good reason to go, but the best reason to go is love of God. And, you know, I remember at some point joking with my buddies when Beth and I were getting ready to get married, and they uh, they were saying, you know, let me let, me let you in on a little secret here, Adam. There are going to be some decisions you're going to make about whether it's to go play that game of golf or go out for another round of brews with the guys and, and whatnot. Uh, stay at the pub a little bit longer that you might just say, hey, this could be worth sleeping on the couch for tonight, and uh, or it might not be. So uh, I, w- I want to make amends with my wife because I don't want to sleep on the couch or I don't want to get the cold shoulder anymore, and, and I don't like the punishment, so I'm going to apologize and, and say I'm sorry. And um, Okay, maybe a little bit different in marriage, but there are other times that, you know, I fail as a husband and I say something that, that cuts deep sometimes to my wife without even realizing it. And she is in pain. And because I love her so much, I want to, I want to say, I'm sorry because I don't want to see her suffer. And, you know, we love God so much that we don't want to see him suffer on the cross for our sins. And so we become sorry for our sins. And it's a great, great thing. Perfect contrition. So let's strive for perfect contrition. Let's foster our love for God so that every time we go to confession, it would not just be out of fear, but out of love 
for our Lord. It's tough, but we gotta we have to cultivate it each and every day in our hearts, our love for our Lord. We're gonna take a, another break here on Roadmap to Heaven. When we come back, we'll be talking with Marcellino de Ambrosio, Dr. Italy himself, about why be Catholic. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Roadmap to Heaven. It is always a joy to have a new guest on the show, and today we're happy to welcome Dr. Italy himself, Marcellino D'Ambrosio, who will be speaking at Holy Infant Parish in Baldwin, Missouri, March 9th and 10th. Uh, More on that later, but Dr. Italy, good to have you on the show. It is a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. It's you know I, I I love talking about what you're going to be talking about at Holy Infant and when I saw you were coming and said oh we might have the opportunity to speak with you on the show I couldn't wait to get into this topic because we talk about all sorts of different facets of Catholicism on the program and all day long on our airwaves but really at the heart of the matter is this question especially for those who aren't Catholic why be Catholic you know what is it that we've got that lights a fire within us that we want to share with the world, or, you know, if we're in the work of evangelization, such as with this radio show, what is it that we are offering? And that question, why be Catholic, seems to be at the heart of it. So you've got a story you're going to be sharing. Why why don't we get the the brief radio version of it here? All right. Well, listen, you know, I'm a cradle Catholic, so I'm not a convert from coming from uh, Protestant faith or from atheism, and uh, there's a lot of folks who love to hear those stories. I'm a cradle Catholic who is, like a lot of young people, kind of turned off and turned on to the, the contemporary culture. Back when I was a teen, um, I was, uh, you know, a hippie in the hippie era, and so I'm, a, I'm a, rock, a rock musician. I was a professional musician by the time I was 16, even though I was still going to school. I was playing in one of the leading bands in southern New England, and, um, you know, I, w- I was very concerned about social justice and was involved in protests and all sorts of things and hair down on my shoulders. And uh, I-, I never left church, but church is pretty irrele- irrelevant, really. And, you know, I was a pro-choice Catholic, as many are today, because I didn't want to force my religion down anybody else's throat. You know, I bought that argument. Um, and, you know, it- it- so my story is, how did I go from that, which is where a lot of Catholic people are, particularly a lot of those of us who are parents and grandparents, a lot of our kids and grandkids are there, you know. Um, where, how did I go from that to being on fire for Christ? And that's kind of my story. It was meeting Christ through, really, alive Catholics, people who were in love with their faith, were filled with the Holy Spirit, who loved Jesus, who had a relationship with God the Father. And then um, they happened to be really faithful to the fullness of the Catholic faith. Uh, but some of my friends weren't. I had a lot of hippie friends who had con- conversions the time I did, and one of them was, went to the Pentecostal Church, and he was a former Catholic and was trying to bring you that way. So he was the one who really kind of uh, made me think about why be Catholic and not just be a freelance Christian, uh, a Lone Ranger Christian, or join one of these uh, newer communities that, uh, where people liked you and were, were kind to you, and um, they, they were like a, a family, and, you know, and most Catholic parishes sometimes, uh, you know, they don't feel that way. So why stay um, in this institution that has so many problems? So basically, I'm telling the story from my own experience. I think how lots of people wrestle with it. And uh, and I'm not talking, I'm not going to argue from Scripture and bang Protestants and others over the head in this talk, but basically, I share the discovery of the riches of the family that includes the saints and a family that has a mother 
um, which is Mary. And, you know, if you want a family experience, how are you going to have a family experience in God uh, without a mother? No family is without a mother. Mothers would hold a family together. So I talk about Mary in that context, and then I talk about the power of being touched by God sensibly in the sacraments. And I talk about the power of tradition and why tradition is so important to help us interpret Scripture correctly. So, you know, I think um, a lot of Catholics know we believe in tradition, and we believe in Mary and the saints, and and we believe in the sacraments, but what difference do they make in our lives? Why are they so important? I kind of share that in this talk. You know, I I love that you use the analogy of family here, because you've said a couple things I want to circle back to very quickly. Uh, Number one, you you mentioned the reality, and it is, uh, you know, as we've seen, especially over these last few years, a sad reality of so many leaving the Church, or perhaps they're baptized, but they never really... uh, take hold of the gift that they've been given, and they just start wandering aimlessly in life, or in some cases, as you mentioned, go to another church because they like what that church has to offer. And one of the things you said is, you know, sometimes things get difficult. Well, what family do they not get difficult in? I mean, there are times where I'm sure my children say, I really don't like what dad is doing, but why is dad doing it? Because he knows what's good for the children, and as you said, Mama as well, I I think of Mother Mary. And that's really, you know, that's at the heart of this, Marcellino. I'd love to hear, you know, what are some of the things? You talk about those those treasures of our faith, the riches of our faith, because don't get me wrong, like you, I play in a rock band. Uh, I love playing praise and worship music. You know, I love hearing inspiring talks. But there's something about the beauty of our liturgy, the fullness of our teachings that have kept me anchored, even when I've been tempted to say, well, maybe I'll go to that other church, I like it more. Um, no, it's it's the riches of our faith that have kept me anchored. What are some of those things that have kept you anchored? Well, I, I, these are the three things that I talk about. So, uh, you know, you just brought out Mary. Let me talk about tradition for a minute. Um, people really hunger for heritage. They hunger for roots. I think um, lots of us have experienced that at some point or another. Um, and, and so tradition in some ways has a positive co- kind of connotation, but on the other hand, we think about dead practices that don't have any relevance anymore, and we want to get free of those kinds of things. And, and what I really want to talk about is tradition as a way of knowing things that you can't really put into writing. The only way to learn some things, and we can all experience this, uh, we've all experienced this, the only way to learn some things is either by doing them or by especially being with somebody and hanging out with them and uh, learning from them doing it, person to person. You really can't learn language from a book. Uh, All of us can figure this out. You know, we actually did learn grammar in school, but we actually knew how to speak English before we ever went to school, and we probably have forgotten most of our grammar lessons, um, unless we happen to be an English teacher, you know, or a foreign language teacher. No one really walks around thinking about participles and thinking about, you know, parts of speech. But we all know language. How do we learn it? We were immersed in it. It was passed on to us by our families, and we even picked up things that sometimes we wish we would lose, like accents that we wish we could change. <laughs> and, you know, we pick these things up. We pick up ways of speaking, manners of speaking. We pick up mannerisms by being immersed in them. By, we, some people talk about osmosis. This is a way of learning, and you can't really just get this in writing. Writing can be easily misinterpreted. And uh, so I tell a kind of a funny story about how um, somebody misinterpreted a, a recipe I gave them. You know, you don't learn Italian 
cooking from clipping a recipe book. You know, you, you really got to cook with somebody. And so I grew up in a very Italian family. And uh, when it came time for me to, to learn to cook, I, I had to do it because I was no longer living at home and was really not happy with eating out of a can. So anyway, <laughs> I, I had to apprentice. And uh, so I apprenticed with family members and they judged my cooking. And then, you know, so I, I gave a recipe to a friend who ate something I liked and it, it was a disaster. Because, uh, you know, uh, he read what I wrote in the recipe, and I assumed he understood what I wrote. But he's totally outside of my experience. Never saw anyone cook before, and it was really a disaster. I'm not going to give it away because I want people to come and listen to the, the talk. But anyway, the point I'm making here is Scripture has been misinterpreted all throughout history by people who don't live in the living tradition of the Church. It was He came out of that living tradition. And that tradition gives us eyes to see what it really means. It helps us understand the context. It's really Scripture's native habitat. And so if we, you know, you try to understand a lion in a cage, you don't really understand a lion. you got to see him in action on the savanna, prowling and uh, leaping and, and hunting. You know, that's how you really understand what a lion is. So, so really, you got to understand Scripture. If you want, really, if you love Scripture, as I do, you desperately need the fullness of the Catholic tradition, the whole truth, not just part of the truth. That's what we're after, and that's really what Scripture and tradition give to us. And, and that tradition is guarded in the Catholic Church and passed down all the way from the Apostles to us now through an unbroken line of succession, apostolic succession, our bishops. So, you know, I, I think when people walk out of this talk, they have a new excitement about the power of tradition to help us really understand Jesus and connect us to Jesus in a living way. And that's, that's one of the, the great treasures of, um, of what we're talking about here as the fullness of the Catholic faith. Well, I have to tell you two things. Right now, number one, I am already thinking about making pasta for dinner tonight. So thank you <laughs> for that, because I, I am a foodie, and uh, I'm already keeping it simple. I haven't determined what kind of noodles I'm going to use, but there's going to be some Parmesan, some garlic, probably some sun-dried tomatoes and some bell peppers in there. And uh, we'll see what kind of protein. There might not even be a protein, but I, I, I'm thinking along those lines. So thank you, number one. And, I, and all of You're our listeners were probably salad. Right now, thinking, oh, Italian food, that sounds great, even at seven something in the morning here. Number two, you know, I can't help but think of the saints as well as you talk about this, handing down the tradition. I, I got so excited recently because I saw a great book for Lent that I'm waiting for it to arrive uh, from St. John Henry Newman about the. Uh, the Passion of Our Lord. And his settings of the Stations of the Cross, hands down, my favorite. There's so many great ones out there, but my favorite. And walking through these faith journeys, reading from St. John Henry Newman, or pick your favorite saint, has been such a great way to learn some of the riches of our faith. Um, and, you know, nothing against the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And I, I love Frank Sheet's Theology for Beginners, Dr. Peter Kreef's Catholic Christianity, the actual Catechism. But when it comes to life through these stories that are handed down to us and through these writings from the saints, you're right. It's it's really something incredible. Now, the the second part of this, this is, you know, teaser alert for everybody, is once this fire gets lit in your heart, if it hasn't been already, get get ready, folks. Buckle up your seatbelts because God's gonna send you out on a great adventure, right? That's right. He sure is. 
Dr. Italy, Marcellino D'Ambrosio, will be giving two talks at Holy Infant as their parish mission, March 9th and 10th. The talks start at 7 p.m. in the church. If you're in the St. Louis metro area and you want to check it out, visit holyinfantballwin.org for more information, holyinfantballwin.org. Or if you're not in the St. Louis metro area or for whatever reason you're unable to attend in person, there is a live stream at facebook.com slash holyinfantballwin.org as well. So uh, I know if I can't be there, I'm going to be tuned in and, you know, maybe we'll have to, we'll have to go out for some antipasta beforehand. I I don't know. I don't know. That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. And you know, there's one other thing I would just say, people can go to my website, dritaly.com. And if you actually spell that out, uh, dritaly.com, and you go to that particular page, you'll see a little video, a kind of a two minute, uh, video that tells you a little bit about the speaking ministry and how my approach to talks and learn a little bit about me, but you also can get to a lot of great nuggets of, of uh, the teaching of the saints. You, you know, as, as you were just saying, you know, saints are so important, um, and a lot of times um, we don't get a chance to hear their actual words. So I have a lot of short, sweet, uh, just golden um, golden nuggets from, from the saints all throughout history on that website that you can peruse and search based on topic or based on the name of the saint. So DrItaly.com. All right. Well, we're going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven, mainly because i got to go check the pantry and see what I'm bringing home with me to make for dinner tonight. Marcellino, thank you so much for being with us. Friends, we'll be back. Stay tuned. Here we are in the first full week of Lent, and it brings us a new topic for our Daily Dose of Encouragement. We didn't give up the Daily Dose for Lent. In fact, we're going to dive a little deeper this season. Patty, good to be with you today. Great to be with you, Adam, and hello to all our listeners. We are going to talk about confession this week, the Sacrament of Reconciliation. I give a talk called Unlock the Treasure, and it focuses on confession. And many people, I realize, as I travel across the United States, have come up to me and shared how they have issues. They've got some struggles and obstacles with going to confession frequently. And so I always realize that there could be somebody in the audience or somebody right now listening today who has not been to confession in a long time, for whatever reason that might be. So if that is you, I hope you'll join us this week as we just unlock this awesome gift that Christ you know, gave us in this sacrament. And one of my favorite quotes, one of my favorite reflections about confession comes from Fulton Sheen, where he says that the church in her genius builds confessionals because just like we build hospitals because we have sick bodies, well, the church builds confessionals because we also have sick souls. And what confession does is it prevents all of the burden, the worries, and everything that we're carrying around from seeping into our unconscious and degrading into things like anxiety and obsessive-compulsive disorders and things that affect us so terribly, because what this does is it releases it for us. It's taking a load off. That's what I like to think of when I go to confession. I'm just taking a load off. We were never meant to carry the burden. We were never meant for sin. And what Fulton Sheen says is, is that Christ instituted this sacrament, not for his needs, but for ours. It was Christ's way of giving us a happy heart. So today, I want to just throw that out there. Have you ever thought of confession as the sacrament of a happy heart? That's what it's meant to be for us, for all of us. So if you're burdened with maybe some shame, guilt, lies, secrets, whatever it is, just realize we were never meant to carry that around. We need to unload the burden, and God gives us everything that we need in the church. And confession 
is the sacrament of a happy heart. Aren't we all looking for a little bit more happiness? Don't we all want to lighten our load? And that's what God gave us, this sacrament specifically. So think of it as the sacrament of a happy heart. I'd like to have a happy heart, and so I am looking forward to this week of encouragement. Thank you, Patty. You know, I was thinking about this uh, throughout the show today. I'm so grateful for our priests because without them, we would not have the sacraments, and especially the Sacrament of Reconciliation today. We've been talking so much about this, and I will tell you, when we were planning the calendar for today, you know, it wasn't necessarily in mind that we were going to have so many pivots back to the Sacrament of Reconciliation throughout today's show, and yet we have, and what a wonderful thing that is. But I think of our priests and the time they spend uh, bringing us the sacraments, the Holy Mass, and sitting in the confessional, hearing our confessions. And where would we be without that? I mean, it really is a wonderful thing for them to act in persona Christi in that confessional so that we may receive absolution um, and and be forgiven of our sins if we go in with that contrite heart and that re- repentant heart. And I'm grateful. Now, there's not what, – what can I do to, to say thank you to Father other to say thank you? I mean, there, it, it all seems to pale in comparison. Well, friends, I can pray for Father, and I want to invite you to do the same. It's been a while since we mentioned this, but we are less than a month away from our day that we're asking everyone to pray the rosary for priests. Rosary for priests. We're trying to get 5,000 people to commit to praying the rosary for priests on Saturday, April 2nd. And so I want to invite you, go to our Catholic Radio slash events. You can sign up there. It's free. We're not going to barrage you with emails. We're not going to add you to an email marketing list or anything like that. If you sign up, the only communication you'll receive are reminders that week to pray the rosary for our priests. If you don't want to go to ourcatholicradio.org, you could also go to facebook.com slash roadmapradio, and we've got a Facebook event there that you can sign up that way. Um, If you do that, please do like and share. Let's make it go viral. Share it with as many people as you know. Share it in your news feed, the rosary for priests, again, at facebook.com slash roadmapradio. We need you to do that. So please help us out in saying thank you for our priests by offering the rosary for them and asking the Blessed Mother to continue to intercede for them, praying for their health, praying for their holiness, praying in thanksgiving, most of all, for all of our priests. So I invite you to do that today. Don't wait. Do it right now. Go right now. Well, let's pray first and then go to In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I want to thank Patty Schneier and Monsignor Morris for sharing their words with us today. I really want to thank Marcellino D'Ambrosio and Sister Mary Carolyn Nunes for being with us on the show this morning as well. And uh, it, it really was a joy to speak with both of them. Wednesday on the show, we're going to be talking with Monsignor Michael Witt, who you know from Church History here on Covenant Network, and a a favorite of mine, a friend of the show, Zipper Zeppa, is going to be on with us Wednesday. Until then, thank you for listening to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. I'm Adam Wright. 
Pray your rosary today.